Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. And if you brought your Bibles, we can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're now going to tread into what I wanted to start with six weeks ago. <laughs> How many of the first portion as far as understanding the importance of or, or the importance of understanding the body mentality that helps you? It helped me quite a bit, and I know there's a lot more there that we can, uh, you know, glean from and learn, and that we st- it's, we're not done, in other words, is what I'm trying to say. How many have realized this, that you can study something till, you know, you can spend hours on it, and, and time and time and time, and you think, man, I know this. And then the Lord will take you back a year later, and you go, I didn't even see that. We're doing that till eternity. You understand? You understand that? So we need to be we need to be ever conscious of that, and that's why, you know, we go back over things because in this life, uh, there's too many imperfections that press on us constantly. So um, we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We're this is I think this is part I can't remember what part this is seven or six or something in the series somewhere in there, and. Uh, we're talking about do not quench the spirit. And I need to get down in my notes to where I need to be here. And uh, we're learning about flowing with the Holy Spirit and uh, being aware of Him, being aware of His Spirit in us and then also in others, and edifying the body of Christ. And we've covered quite a bit, and I don't, I'm, there's no way I'm going to try and, I started to write a review. This, today, I was like, forget it. Just go back and listen to the other messages. If you need a review, just have to, like, there's no way. I'll never get to, I'll get stuck in the review. And I'll never get to where I need to go. So, but the purpose of this message is to strengthen the church in understanding and cooperating with the move of the Holy Spirit decently and in order. Learning and doing this covers two points in the church's vision. We talked about this before. That we would come to grow in relationship with God through life in Christ and discover, develop, and serve through life in Christ. Um, talking about the gifts of the Spirit, we, we discussed this and made this point. That if it wasn't important to have the move of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit in operation, why did the Lord dedicate this chapter to it? It's important to Him. Amen? And actually what I've discovered through the years... And, I'm, I, you know, I haven't been in ministry a real long time, but I've been around the church for 23, 24, 25 years, um, as far as kind of full-time, so to speak. Um, I was raised in church, of course. But what I've discovered is, in talking to other ministers, is that a lot of ministers won't even attack this subject because they're intimidated by it. And they feel... Um, uh, well, I shared this before, like one, one minister said to me, he had the gifts of the Spirit operating in his church, but he got tired of being rebuked from the crowd every week by supposed prophetic words and tongues and interpretation and stuff like that. And you know, I, I can understand why that would be bothersome. You know what I mean? Can you imagine? You know, people thinking, well, our pastor doesn't know much, so I better give a prophetic word to teach him something in front of everybody. 
You know, that would be a little disconcerting. Now, I probably wouldn't be as nice as this guy was. And maybe that's why I get to teach on it. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's important to the Lord that we understand these things and that the church as a whole understands them and is, is uh, developing and maturing in them. Because whether you realize it or not, it doesn't matter your station. It doesn't matter if you're a hand or a foot, if you're an eye or an ear, if you're a nose, if you're a, you know, a, a shoulder, if you're an elbow. You have a role and it is important. So the more seen parts we discovered uh, shouldn't get hot, uh, big-headed. And the ones that are not seen and those who feel, you know, they're like, well, I don't even know what I'm doing, if I'm doing anything, you know. I'm unseen completely. Shouldn't be down on what God has called them to do. Um, there's a video online. I watched it, actually showed it years ago when I was a youth pastor. But it's called, uh, um, I think it's called A Can of Coke. And it's by a, a drama group called One Time Blind. And it's, it's Jesus giving different can, size cans of Coke to different people in the body, in his body. And the first girl gets this, you remember when they had the mini, maybe they still have the mini cans of Coke. I don't know, those real little ones. He gives it to this lady, and she's like, oh, this is awesome. This is the best gift ever, and she's so excited. And then she sees another person get a bigger can of Coke. And then she hated her gift. And that happens a whole lot more than people realize. Instead of rejoicing in who you, God has made you to be, you, you get jealous or look and desire what somebody else has. We talked about this, um, actually, um, at the end of that little skit, um, Jesus holds up a can of Coke, and she's, she's, she chews Jesus out over the can of Coke. And he, she, he said to her, he said, until you can see past this, all you'll see is a can of Coke. In other words, until you can look past your gifting to who God is in you, you don't see your value yet. And God's not mad. If anything, he might be a little sad because he sees your value. He sees my value, right? And so we got to be aware of that. The other thing we talked about was um, uh, uh, the, the movie, uh, which one was it? Narnia, Chronos, Chronicles of Narnia, yeah. And how the younger daughter found this wish book and wished her, she wished she was her sister because she, she uh, 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 basically worshipped her sister. She thought, if I was my sister, then I would be something. And she, and she ends up having like a little vision or a dream, and she actually wishes, and the wish comes true, she becomes her sister. But at the same time, she erased herself. And she didn't exist anymore. So when we wish to be something that God didn't make us, we eliminate what God made. And that's dangerous. Because our value is not determined by the gift God gave to us. It's determined by the price he paid for us. 
And everybody in here, including me or watching online, was paid for by the blood of Jesus. Which means I and you are worth a lot. Because if you think about it, God could have paid planets for you. But he didn't. You know, God's not short on gold. He paves his roads with it. You know, if there's construction in heaven, I don't think there is. I mean, you know, I don't think there's potholes in the street. <laughs> you know, dust everywhere. I don't think any of that. But when they're laying out the roads, if they were, it would shock us watching these pavers put gold down. And when God goes to put foundations underneath what he builds, he uses precious stones. And what God puts underneath, because the value lives on it and around it, which is people, we put on our hands and on us for jewelry because we think it's worth more. And it's not. It's worth less. The most valuable thing in this planet is you and me. And every other person that was created. We are the most valuable thing in the planet. Now I'm not saying we always act our value. But it doesn't change our value. We're still the most valuable. And God sees us that way. He sees us that way. And so we need to make that a confession. You know we wrapped up our series on the language of faith. You need to talk about your value. I'm not saying you have to wear a shirt that says y'all should worship me, okay? I'm saying in your time with the Lord, uh, what did Chip Judge say? Practice saying nice things about yourself. That's tough. I don't know about you. That's a little tough for me. There are some things I'm kind of confident in, you know, but I'm not even convinced that that's the Lord's confidence. That might be just something I, you know, but we need to say about us what God says about us. On the positive side. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we get stuck in sins because we are believing a lie about our, that the Lord didn't say. You know, have you ever done this? Have you ever made a mistake like for the 50th time in the day? You know? <laughs> And then you go, man, I just, and you say that, I, I've said this, maybe you don't, but maybe you'll identify with it. You say, Lord, I'm just thinking, am I ever going to get over this? But in the spirit, the truth is, I'm already over it. So what did I do? Well, in Proverbs, and I need to preach on this probably some more, but you can look at it later. But the scripture actually talks about Depending on what comes out of your mouth, you can actually have a breach in the spirit. A breach is a separation. It's a break. So if I speak contrary to what the Lord said and made me, I breach the power of the resurrection. So it, it would be like the speakers over here are plugged in. I can turn the switch on, but if they're not plugged in... So I actually unplugged myself. Now, I didn't say I lose my salvation. What I said is I actually attached myself to my flesh or to the enemy concerning my own life. And then I gave power or voice to what the enemy or my flesh, the nature of the flesh, how they see me. Have you ever noticed it takes faith to say I'm going to win? 
especially when you've lost like three times in a row. <laughs> or more. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is how I got out of addictive behaviors in my life. I'd walk around, even after I messed up, he who the Son says free, free indeed. And I felt like 40 miles of muddy road after I sinned and did wrong. And then I'd get up and go, he who the Son sets free, is free indeed. When I ask for forgiveness over that, it's done. God's not reminding me of what I did wrong. Amen? It takes faith, right? And, and so even in concerning the gifts of the Spirit and things like this, it's going to take faith on our part. Because this isn't an easy road. How many think the devil really wants us to succeed in this area? How many, thinks, how many think uh, he's trying everything he can to try and derail what God's doing in this place? Well, if you haven't figured it out yet, he is. And so it's important, not that just the preachers grow, the elders grow. This is not, we got to get out of this mentality that the kingdom of God is resting upon the fivefold ministry gifts. The call for the kingdom and the advancement is upon the body of Christ. Now, we each have our role, and I understand that. But what has happened through the years is that people have had the mentality of, well, if the preachers would preach better, or if they would just do it my way. You know, it's easy to, for me to watch the playoffs, football. Not that I wanted Patrick Mahomes to win, because I didn't. If you're watching Patrick, I apologize. <laughs> I'm just done seeing certain teams in the championship, okay? I mean, the Bengals haven't been back since 1988. So that's pretty good for them, right? But it's easy for me to look at that quarterback and go, throw it! He's wide open! Eat a nacho. <laughs> While he just went through a season that they extended and has been hit how many times, and now they're into overtime, and he's got these gigantic... Grizzly for men running at him, calling him probably every name in the book and being rude about his mom, <laughs> trying to kill him, and the crowd's yelling. The point is, is that it takes everybody. We got to be in together as a team and not sit and judge other people, but be very aware of our own personal training. So that we can function in maturity and come together. We don't have a savior complex. We're not everybody's savior. But we're in fellowship with our Lord and submitted to him. And we're consistently doing this to where we're full of the spirit and ready. Sitting on ready for whoever needs help. And not assigning the ministry of the body or the kingdom advancement. To an individual or others, but taking on personal responsibility 
for what the master has given in divine order and instruction. I like what Rodney Howard Brown says. He says, Mark 16 is not the divine suggestion. Right? It's, it's not a suggestion. It's a commission. Go into all the world and preach. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. And people say, well, I don't really like to talk to people, you know, that I don't know. You don't have to say words. You don't have to. You, you're carrying the anointing in you. Amen? So you carry that in you. Many Christians <clears throat> in churches, honestly, they're just miserable because they've never grown. They would have way less time to complain about others <laughs> if they focused on what God wanted them to do. They'd have no time to talk about anybody else. And send out, you know, uh, talking to everybody about prayer requests. Yeesh. Prayer requests. So we're working together. We're one body. And whether you realize it or not, how you're living right now in your relationship with the Lord is affecting the rest of the body. Now, I'm not saying the rest of the body is just going to go under because you didn't do what you were supposed to. But... If you, in your own physical body, you know this, if any one part isn't working just right or is in pain or whatever, you know. The rest of the body is aware. The rest of the body is going, hey, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? And in the spirit, it's the same way. And uh, we just need to be aware of that and then in fellowship with the Lord and then root out the things that keep us, or that aren't our responsibility and keep us out of fellowship. You know, people will get engrossed and give their whole life to a certain, uh, what's the word, identity, like Harley Davidson. And Harley Davidson will give you your identity. There's nothing wrong with Harley Davidson, okay? Whatever, if you like it. But if that's your whole life, you buy everything Harley Davidson. You have Harley Davidson shirts, Harley Davidson pants, Harley Davidson coats, Harley Davidson motorcycles, Harley Davidson, you know, trailers, Harley Davidson coffee cup, helmet, sunglasses. And when you walk in with all this Harley Davidson, people go, he likes Harley Davidson. They'll save money for Harley-Davidson. They'll invest into Harley-Davidson. So Harley-Davidson is the person's whole persona. They'll cut their hair, how the Harley-Davidson models do it. I don't know if they have models. Maybe they do. I don't know. I've never looked. They'll have beards like the Harley-Davidson. They'll have everything will be like, I want the tattoos like they have. And I'm not against that. I don't care. If you want tattoos, have tattoos. I don't care. Where's your identity, though? When you understand who you are in Christ, man, your identity, your thinking shifts. And now from that perspective, from that uh, source right there, comes 
the ability uh, when our hearts are right and we're in that place and we're fellowshipping with the Lord. And what I mean by our hearts being right is we know they're righteous, but our thinking in line with our spirits and we're fellowshipping with the Lord, all the other noise drowns out and you can hear what the Holy Spirit is saying in regards to the manifestation of the gifts that he disperses as he wills. And I will say this, I think he wills a whole lot more than we realize. If I look at the ministry of Jesus, I think we're short by a lot. And I'm not pretending that I understand how to do all this because I don't. But I know the one who does. And we're just going to have to walk out on the water. Amen? And it doesn't have to be from the pulpit. It can be from the, it can be anywhere at any time. Did you ever notice Jesus' miracles didn't happen at a church? Now, I understand it's different generation. I get that. I understand that. Different cultures and stuff like that. And how the shift of the kingdom and the church coming about. They, the Jews didn't even know what a church was. They didn't know what the church was. They had no idea. They thought Jesus was coming to kill all the Romans. They're like, Jesus, when are we going to boot camp here? And he had a different perspective. He had a different mission than what they interpreted it as. But the miracle power of God will work anywhere is my point. It'll work anywhere where someone's available. To the point where the miracle power of God flowed to such a degree through different ones that had given themselves over to the Lord and to his work and his things to where people knew Peter's going to walk down the street at a particular time, hurry up and get all the sick people and put them in the street. And when his shadow passed by, and the healing was not in the shadow. You realize that, right? Peter's shadow didn't heal them. The power of God did. It just extended. That was just a, it's just something to give you a picture of what happened. You know, people you know, walk around and like, just get in my shadow. You know? There's a principle there, but the principle is faith in the power of God. It isn't about a shadow. And so the closer we get to this, and the more we look at this, and the more we walk in this, and as we're looking at the different gifts of the Spirit, we need to realize these gifts are for and through and, and able to flow through me. How many are born again? You all qualify. Because we were baptized into one Spirit. That Spirit is in uh, union, that spirit is, is union with the Father, the Holy Spirit. And we're baptizing. That means these gifts work through us. So say it with me. The gifts of the Spirit work through me as the Spirit wills. Notice it doesn't say if you're a type A personality... If you're a male, if you're a member of the cloth, I don't even know what that means. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given. Why are they given? 1 Corinthians 12, 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of 
all. The mirror says it this way, the expression of the Spirit is given to bring that which God accomplished in Christ into full focus. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says it this way, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The mirror says it this way, all these various gifts are inspired by the same Spirit who individually works in every person as Holy Spirit desires. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 31 says this, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And that's obviously moving into chapter 13 concerning the love of God. But we're to earnestly desire the gifts. God desires that we walk in the best gifts. Some would ask, what are the best gifts? The best gifts are the ones needed at the time. When, earnestly desire, when we earnestly desire the best gifts to operate for the same reason God does, we will see a major uptick in their manifestation in our midst. When we, I really believe, now I'm just going to say this because we need to, it needs to be said so that people can break the, so the, the Spirit of God can break the barriers in people's minds. I, I really do believe that the Lord is going to actually physically change people that have been in, have had like an operation in a transgender type situation. They're, they could be open to the Lord and instantly their, their bodies could be reversed back to what it was. You say, why would that happen? Can you, do you not see the heart of God in the potential restoration of how many people that knew that person? There are people growing up today that, that are being trained to think from a young age that they are not the gender that they were born. How are you going to hold that person accountable for what they don't know, miracles have to happen. That's what I'm after. That's what we're after. I mean, we might as well believe crazy. You, got almost, you only have so many heartbeats anyway. You might as well just believe big. I mean, Remy said to us, I mean, aim for the moon and land among the stars if you have to. I'm not talking about, it's funny because sometimes people, I know when I'm preaching this, people say, yeah, man, Sean, you should do that. I'm telling you, <laughs> the Spirit of God's telling you to do it. Get out of a, get out of a, uh, we got to fight past a, I'm surviving and sustaining mentality. We got to break out of that. The gifts of the Spirit are for us. They operate through us. God desires to, walk, or to, to manifest by His Spirit in, in magnificent, miraculous ways in our lives. If He didn't, He wouldn't have put it in here. God, I think God wrote this whole book to, to see if people would go, which ones will believe it? And I'll do it for who does. Pursue love, 1 Corinthians 14, 3, and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And that's what I want to talk about this evening. Prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy, by definition, this is the supernatural utterance in the native or known tongue. It is a miracle of divine utterance. 
not conceived by human thought or reasoning. It includes speaking to people to edification, exhortation, and what? Comfort. Prophecy is supernatural utterance in the native or known tongue. Your tongue, whatever your known tongue is. This is super, somebody say supernatural. Supernatural utterance. It is a miracle of divine utterance, not conceived by human thought or reasoning. Not conceived by human thought or reasoning. The word prophesy in the Hebrew is translated to flow forth. It carries the thought to bubble forth like a fountain, to let drop, to lift up, to tumble forth, or to spring forth. So in other words, there's a divine uh, 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 enablement from the Holy Spirit that comes in and through the believer to those who are hearing for their edification, for their comfort, and for their exhortation. It's a knowing on the inside, not from up here. This isn't something you thought up. This is something that is of inspiration from the Holy Spirit. How many have had the Holy Spirit speak to you and you knew it? That's just how prophecy works. There's a knowing on the inside. This is what the Lord's saying about this situation. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Then he says this, But especially that you may what? Prophesy. If you skip down to verse 5, Paul says this, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless he what? Interprets. That the church may receive edification. So I would say it like this. Tongues with interpretation is equal to prophecy. Tongues with interpretation is equal to prophecy. It's, it, they're on the same level. Because you actually have a known utterance after the tongue. Okay? So recently I've had the Lord want me to emphasize prophecy. And from these verses we can see why. Paul tells us to desire spiritual gifts, but especially that we might prophesy. That doesn't mean that we are not to desire the other gifts, but that we are to put this gift first. That's what Kenneth Hagin said. At the end of this chapter in verse 39, Paul by the Holy Spirit declares, desire earnestly to prophesy. Therefore, Paul, writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, emphasized the importance of prophecy. So we're talking about the spiritual gift of prophecy and this actually will fall under what's called the vocal gifts. I'm going to divide them up, and they're going to be a little random here, but I'm going to put them into, uh, into different categories the way that uh, Brother Hagin did and give them to you that way because it's just easier. So prophecy falls under the vocal gifts, and there are three categories and three gifts in each one. Prophecy in tongues with interpretation are a key way that the church is what? Edified. So why has so much of the church put tongues in the back room? Why? I don't know how to explain it, I guess. People, people don't, people are, they, they wonder what it is. 
I had somebody tell me one time, they came to our church and they had uh, attended another church before, but years ago they got saved in a wild charismatic church. And she told me, she said, she goes, I love the way you explain what's going on. She said, I was in a church years ago and got saved in it. And she said, people were running and dancing. And she said, people were getting hands laid on them. And they fall on the floor and they're praying in tongues. And she said, I knew it was all right, but I just didn't know why. A lot of times people don't explain what's going on. What I've found with most believers, denominational or not, if you just explain what's going on, they'll go, oh, that's why. And they'll accept it. They'll accept it. Why? Because if you just give them the word, what are they going to argue with? Amen? So prophecy is what? It's an inspired utterance in what? A known tongue. All right. Let me give you a couple more definitions of prophecy. Uh, Some definitions that I found that I really like. This gift or prophecy is a supernatural, a supernatural ability given by the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God in proclamation and at times, at times, in predicting the future. Now, as we move into this, I'm going to get into some of the prophetic stuff that's, that uh, uh, the office of the prophet a little bit, not a lot because that's not my main purpose, but try to give some context to what's going on sometimes. Just to help us understand. Because I feel like we've been so inundated with things that we've actually gotten away from some foundational things and we're getting off. Now, I'm not out to, to, to correct all the prophets. I'm saying for us that my goal, I, they're going to do what they're going to do. That's between them and the Lord. But I have to shepherd the flock of God that's among me, like, you know, Acts 20 says. And, and be able to, so we can have context and understanding to what's going on. I said this last week, and, I, and the Lord still has me on it, I, and I think I talked about it the week before. But in Revelation 19.10, it talks about what? That the, the testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of prophecy. So I want to read a commentary to you on this uh, particular verse about desiring to prophesy. Now, when I read commentaries or when I read other translations to you, like the Passion Translation How many have heard me reference the Mirror Bible? I am not telling you I agree with everything that they say in their Bibles. Because I don't. But there are truths tucked in there, and I I filter everything. Now, I study in the New King James, but I filter. There are things the way it's translated. It just goes, yeah, that makes makes perfect sense. You, You have to learn to do that, amen? Eat the cherry, spit out the pit. Or you heard it this way, eat the meat, spit out the bones. Or if you're from Texas, <laughs> eat the hay, spit out the what? Sticks. In other words, filter what you're getting, but realize there's good stuff in, you know, people say to me, I can't believe you quote the message. The message. You know, like Tim Hawkins said, I think there's a recipe for Rice Krispies in that Bible. He's Baptist, I think. One of his probably just hates that, you know. <laughs> King James or nothing. Yeah, because King James was around. That's the, you know, like people say, that's the Bible Paul preached out of. <laughs> yep. 
Jesus opened his King James Bible, said, turn over in your Bible too. Now, I don't want to get too loose, but I don't want to become legalistic either. All right. Listen to this concerning a description of prophecy. In the context of Scripture, Jesus is both the theme as well as the completeness of the prophetic word. In the Old Testament as foretelling, and in the New Testament, it is primary, primarily forth-telling. So in the simple gift of prophecy, the simple gift, that's what we're talking about. What is the simple gift? Of, it's a, it's a, a supernatural utterance in what? A known tongue and is primarily forth-telling. You say, what is the difference between foretelling and forth-telling? Foretelling in the Old Testament preached or spoke about Jesus when he would come. Forth-telling prophecy speaks from the reality of what Christ has already done. Does that make sense? Does that help? So if you have a word and it's prophetic, a prophetic word for the church, for somebody, whatever it is, there should be, it should be launched from the reality of the resurrection. Now, you're going to have understanding concerning a group or an individual on why you're giving that word. But it's always going to take the individual back to the reality of who they are and what Christ has done for them. That is simple prophecy. Now, I'm not talking about the office of the prophet. 99.9999999999% of people do not stand in a prophet office. But that does not mean that 100% of the church cannot prophesy. Prophesying does not make you a prophet. It doesn't make you a prophet. We can prove that scripturally. Prophesying, the simple gift that we're talking about, is for every believer. And everybody should desire it. In the New Testament, the prophetic has its reference in the finished work of the cross... Excuse me, more so than in the predicting of future events. I didn't say the prophetic couldn't predict future events. Listen to me closely. I want you to hear this. I, guys, I'm convinced of this, all right? I know, what, I know what people think when they think the prophetic, but I'm telling you from Scripture, this is right. Have you ever logged how many future prophecies are in the book of Acts? Concerning, have you ever done this? Have you, out of all the recording of what was going on and taking place, have you ever looked there and seen, and brother so-and-so give 27 prophetic words to people about what they should do about their lives? How many recorded prophecies were given to Paul? And you're talking about over how many years they say on average that Acts 1 to Acts 2 is one year. 
You read through Acts and you go, see, they had visions and they had... That's over years. So from Acts 1 to Acts 10 is 10 years. See, prophecy is less about a show and more about edification, exhortation, and comfort. See, people, people say, you know, this should actually free you and loose you to prophesy. Because you're sitting there trying to figure out, ooh, uh, I'm trying to see out into the future. And God's going, no. They just met with their doctor. Tell them I'm your, their healer. And it's already accomplished that by my stripes. Prophecy. Watch this now. In the New Testament, the prophetic has its reference in the finished work of, cross, of the cross more so than in the predicting of future events. Now watch this. And we're going to talk about a prediction of a future event here. But primarily, what is prophecy? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. But the predicting of future events came through Agabus the prophet. Amen? Amen? The purpose of the prophetic, just like with every other ministry gift, is to encourage and edify the church with the success of the cross as its reference. In the instance recorded in Acts chapter 11, where Agabus and his team foretold the famine that was to come, the new believers from Antioch immediately saw it as a brilliant strategy of the Spirit to prepare provision for their Jewish friends in Judea. Antioch was the first community of believers to be called Christian, and they were non-Jewish. This might have caused distance between them and the Jewish church, but here was their opportunity to take the initiative to break down any such barriers. When your enemy is hungry, do what? Feed him. So the Jews and Gentiles, you know they were fighting in the early church, right? Because that's where Paul, Paul had to go around and go, look, there's no more wall. Stop fighting with each other. This ain't about the color of your skin or your, your ethnic background. It's about Christ has made everybody one. But in the prophetic, this prophetic word was given. And what did they take the opportunity to do? They took the opportunity in understanding from the prophetic as far as the advancement or knowing the future, which came through a prophetic office. They took that opportunity. You think about this. Think about this. Think about this. Think about it. The famine hadn't happened yet. That's like me standing up here and going, yeah, in three years from now, we're going to have an issue and we need $40,000. Ushers, would you come? We're going to take up an offering right now. And people, you know what people would say? Whew, he's making stuff up. He's just trying to get money out of his pocket into his own. This hadn't even happened yet. And the Spirit of God was so in it that the people went, let's take up an offering. And it was used for what? The preaching of the gospel. The declaration and demonstration. The edification of the church. Some modern day prophetic ministries have uh, brought confusion rather than clarity and freedom by a wrong emphasis on the prophetic. Many sincere believers become addicted to the prophetic and begin to attach more value to yet another future prediction than what they saw in the completed work of Christ. 
Listen to me carefully. Hear me now. Hear me. Some believers or many sincere believers become addicted to the prophetic and begin to attach more value to yet another future prediction rather than what they saw in the completed work of Christ. What is the spirit of prophecy? The testimony of Jesus. You know, it does not matter who the president is when you understand who you are in Christ. People say, well, you know, he didn't even really win, you know, all this stuff. I totally agree with you. Big deal. Who are you in Christ? What are you going to do about it? While knowledge about future happenings is exciting and also can be, listen to me, strategic. And that's the key there. If it does not celebrate the finished work of Christ as its point of reference, it becomes a distraction. I'm going to say it again. While knowledge about future happenings is exciting and also can be strategic, if it does not celebrate the finished work of Christ as its point of reference, it becomes a distraction. How many of you ever heard multiple prophetic words and at the end of it you're like, I feel more afraid than I ever have in my life. Thus saith the Lord and it's going to get worse and China's going to come up with something and it's going to eat your brains out. They're just going to fall right out your ears. But if you understand who you are in Christ, no plague shall come near your dwelling. <laughs> I know I've gone over by a lot of minutes, but... I'm almost done with this point. The most profound future information. I want you, please hear this. Please hear this. The most profound future information pales in significance in the light of what has already happened to mankind in Christ. It pales in comparison. Come on, we got to understand this. There are people running around chasing prophetic words, chasing prophetic messages, and they're missing out on the true nature of actually there's a stirring in them concerning the Spirit of God, concerning the prophetic, but they're missing what it's for because they're not focusing on who they are in Christ and edifying the body of Christ. They're busy trying to figure out who's going to win the next political race. Can I ask you a simple question? How many prophecies are there in the Bible concerning offices being uh, uh, coming into place in the New Testament. Well, I don't know if I like this. Take it for what it is, I guess. This is absolute truth. The most, pro the most profound information pales in significance in the light of what has already happening to mankind in Christ. Religion thrives on two lies, distance and delay. Jesus canceled both. Every possible definition of distance was canceled on the cross. 
Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. Every crooked place shall be made straight and every rough place smooth. Isaiah 40 verse 4, Jesus fulfilled that. Every excuse that anyone can have to feel separated from God was deleted in Christ. There is no excuse. People go, oh no, you don't know what I've done. You don't have to fix everything you've done to come to Christ. You just have to believe in him. He annihilated all the excuses. The hour that was to come has come. Jesus is the fullness of time. God can never get any closer to mankind than he already did in the incarnation. God cannot say more to the human race than what he did in Jesus. And we're, you know, and I'm not against, I mean, I'm not saying that there isn't a future uh, portion or a future uh, uh, speaking when it comes to the prophetic. But I don't think it's the primary thing. In fact, I'll be real honest with you. Um, Because what, not what took place, but what we experienced through the whole coronavirus and all of that stuff. Prophetic words are right. They're not wrong. All those things were right. In that sense. Talking about some of the things that were taking place. But I mean, prophecies went wild. Guys, to the point where some so-called, or maybe maybe they really are prophets. But you had people saying Trump's going to win, then they're saying he's not going to win. And then, you know, and and people, and I don't know about you, but I did myself. After a while, I'm like, I got to shut this off. What if he does? What if he doesn't? What has that got to do with the Great Commission? At some point, I have to go click. I don't know if you've noticed this. The world is run by demons. If Paul called Satan the prince of the power of the air, he still is. The prophetic in this setting... What you're listening for when you're praying, and we'll talk about this more next week. You're listening to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And can I just help you with something? You know how I know? And I I set this in place when I pray. If the Lord speaks to me concerning an individual, like there are times, I'll just use Mike because he's here. The Lord's given me prophetic words I haven't written down concerning Mike and his call and the ministry that him and Jody have for this area. You know what I never, and I'll write out exactly what the Lord says to me the best I know how. And then I'll say, okay, Lord, I'll give it to him if you give me scripture. And I never just go and not have Christ attached to it. With, I'm talking about the written word. You know what the Lord has never said to me? Well, Sean, be spiritual. What do you need that for? In fact, I know it pleases him when I do that. The Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus, not the gift. And when you know the word and the word's in you, it comes out. 
And there is, you could not come up with adjectives good enough to do what the anointed one in his anointing has already done. So you say, well, how will I know if I have a prophetic word? Well, you may have a picture of somebody's face in front of you. Remember, it's a supernatural utterance. Now, people say, you know, somebody comes and tells them all their problems, and then they have a prophetic word from them. No, 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 no. You probably birthed that out of your brain. It's got a birth from. How will I know? Once you have it, say, Lord, Give me a scripture. And then don't do anything. Now, I'm saying this right now. Some of you are going to have such breakthrough in this area, it's going to scare you. If you'll open your heart, you'll see it. You say, how do you know? I do it all the time. Now, I don't always say anything. I'll just give you an example, and then we'll quit. Because I'm sure the children's workers are going... Sorry, Kyla, you may have to deal with some un, unhappy, but at least it was me, not somebody else. I was just at the rally, the Northern Plains Believers Rally, so we're ministering along. And I'll just say this, the further you walk with the Lord, you know, you can just, I don't know, I cannot tell you how to do this other than have an intimate relationship with the Lord and keep growing. And this is not necessarily a gift in operation. It's just being aware of the Spirit. But especially when I'm under the anointing. Like for me. I can go through the crowd right now. If I call you out and bring you up here and started praying for you, I get words for you. I can see things. I'll know things. I'll know it. It doesn't mean I know all your little sins, so don't even think that. The Lord never does that. He doesn't do that. People have this weird idea, you know, like God's, you know, you know they, they kicked their dog last week, and I like that dog. You know, the Lord's not doing that. He, you know, if you killed your dog, don't worry, all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> anyway, so I'm ministering along, and I get done, and I give a tongue and interpretation prophetic word. Easy. I mean, you just step over into it. Praying in tongues is a big deal. I'll just say it like that. You got to pray in tongues a lot. Say a lot. Yeah, just do it through your day. Pray in tongues. Say, I'm not filled with the Spirit. Come up afterwards and I'll pray for you and you get filled with the Spirit. But after it's over, Pastor Larry says to me, he says, and I wanted to go home. Because I had just preached for an hour and a half. And it, it, preaching is taxing. On your physical body. It is. I'll tell you this. I can be dog tired right there and not even feel like standing. The moment I get up here, boom, it leaves me. But you know what happens the moment I get off the stage? Boom. There it goes. The man thought, I don't know why it does. I'm like, Lord. He said, don't question me, Sean. Just do what you're supposed to. Okay. If you could just leave it on me 24-7. Yeah, I would have. Okay. Anyway, so... Pastor Larry says, Sean, I want to minister, but I want you to go with me. And I'm like, okay. You know, I'm thinking. And so he's going along ministering to people. And he told me later, he said, it was amazing. He said, every time, he said, before I even grabbed him, I knew what I was going to tell him. 
And what he was doing was, I didn't realize this till later. He, we, he was, it's like cross-pollination. He was piggybacking with me on the gift that the Lord's given me. Because I do this, this it's normal for me. I'll, I'll put it to you like this. If, if I pray for Lee, Eli right now, it may take me just a minute, but I can find things in his future. That tie directly to where he is right now. So watch this now. We, as we're walking along, he asked me, do you have some? Well, I'm seeing stuff. But sometimes what he means, do you have something, is do you have something you can say right now? That's what I hear. And I say, I said to him many times, no. Even, even sometimes I'd have something that would maybe, that was a little bit different angle to what he said, but the same thing. I'd just leave it alone. Why? Because, guys, it will do me no good to tell you everything about you. You need to go fellowship with the Lord and hear for you. Because then when you learn, you grow, you know, then as you know, as he speaks to you, then when he speaks to you concerning someone else, you go, I know exactly whose voice this is. Lord, you set it up. Give me a scripture. Show me what I'm supposed to say, and I'll do it. And then you do it. Because prophecy is what? It's supernatural utterance in a known tongue. Right? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.